I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is yet another episode of the No Quarter Podcast, where my co-host Carrington Vanston and I talk about classic video arcade games. Your co-host? Yes, that would be you. Uh, uh, you are the power behind the throne, though. No, I don't think so. I think I think you're letting me think that, but I don't think that's really the case. <laughs> I'm insidious that way. Insidious. <laughs> yes. How are you, Carrington? I'm well. I'm insidious, <laughs> and also do it fab. Oh, good, good. And you? What's what's uh, new in Mike Land? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, I guess we can just sort of jump right into things. We got uh, some stuff to talk about, but first we'll talk some feedback and some pinball and some other stuff. Feedback and pinball. I I got some feedback about pinball. Okay, well, why don't you start? Sure, I'll start. A fellow named Doug Harrison, who I think might be local to me here in Toronto because uh, he's catching up on our episode, says he's enjoying it so far, and I was whining, whining, I tell you, in an earlier episode about the complete lack of any arcade options here in, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And he wrote to tell me about something called the Pinball Cafe that has some vintage uh, arcade games in it, plus pinball machines, everything I think it's set to free play. It's a little cafe that's just using those to spice things up. So I was reading his email. I got really excited about it. And then he went on to tell me about how it closed. Oh. <laughs> Why are you taunting me, dude? <laughs> so I guess and it's really recently, last February, this place opened up. And um, in, a, in an area of, of the city here in Toronto called Parkdale, sort of uh, west of the downtown area. Mm-hmm. And... And it, w- and it made a bit of a splash in the local media, although I didn't hear about it. So I read some articles online about how in February they sort of announced it. And then the same day or the next day uh, in the articles, they say, well, that was fast. They've already had a notice that they have to close. So I guess there was this – it didn't actually close until September. But I guess they did this opening and then immediately went into the press saying, you know, they're getting harassed because the there's this – Gaming, not not really a gaming commission, but a, a bylaw in the area which says you can't have um, arcade machines. You can't you can't have an arcade. That's the reason we have these in Toronto. We have none in Toronto. There's, there's like a bylaw against them. You can't have arcade machines or pinballs. You're simply not allowed to set them up anymore. And so they had fallen afoul of that. Well, it turns out that wasn't really the case. Um, they didn't have a business license at all. <laughs> so the reason <laughs> they were shut down is they just decided, we're opening a cafe. Oh, we have no business license. We want to feed people. So uh. it's just an example of just sort of not following basic sort of business rules. Because I thought it was weird when I heard that you can't have arcade machines. Because my family used to run a, a large cafe here in Toronto. And we had... It, it was a cyber cafe and we had you know, hundreds of computer stations, virtual reality machine things, a, a bunch of arcade systems, um, you know, party rooms, like all that kind of stuff. And well, we had to get a variance from the city to allow us to have like this many machines and things in one place for, for amusement purposes. It was relatively easy to get that. So I was surprised that the rules had changed so much, but I guess in this case, it was just people sort of didn't get, didn't get good business advice. So unfortunately the, 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 the most recent arcade seems to have come and gone, and I missed it completely. Well, that that sort of sounds like those websites that you have where they they list kind of like the loony laws in, in various lo- localities, <laughs> right? You know, well, and for a long time in the United States, and I'm sure elsewhere, they actually didn't allow you to have pinball uh, pinball machines and stuff because they were they thought that it uh, encouraged gambling. Well, which is kind of not true because you can't win anything. Right, exactly. But at the time, the authorities, I don't think, understood 
what pinball and, and these arcade games actually were. And so <laughs> it was you're easier... the quarter and you literally have no chance of winning anything. Right. Not, that's not gambling. That's just losing. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, they, they were tended to be closed minded and it was just easier to shut these things down than, than to try and actually learn anything. But keep now that down, you, man, yeah, that's right. The man is after us, <laughs> but it, it makes a lot more sense that they just simply didn't have a business license. Yeah, that, that I, I think especially if you're opening a restaurant, I think you better get a business license because they're going to come and look to see if, you know, are you poisoning people? I'm surprised that <laughs> they could go from February to September and stay open on a main street with all that press and not have a business license and, and stay open that long. I'm surprised they wouldn't shut down in like 48 hours. But anyway, th- that that is the tale of the Pinball Cafe. Well, that sort of answers my next question then. Um and there's a, a long lineup of there's, – there's a long, sad, boring story leading into this that I will oh. share and you will listen to and like it. <laughs> I will. I like it already. So one of our regular listeners is Egan Ford, mm-hmm. um, and he's written in a few times. And he actually was in Denver last night uh, on business. So he and I went down to the local arcade, uh, the one-up, and dropped a few quarters in some <gasps> That's games. That's gambling. <laughs> That's right. And we had a great time, I think. Um, and I posted – on, a, on the No Quarter Podcast Facebook page, I posted a, a picture of a bunch of the pinball machines that are available to play there. And Ryan, I'm going to mess up your last name here. It's WX Ryan Wicks, uh, suggested that we work in, let's see, what did he say? Um, I propose a No Quarter story arc of just pinball machines, classic and current. Ha! See, the people uh, want the pinball, Mike. The well, I think the they pinball. do, and and I'm happy to do that because uh, I have a few places around here where I can go play games. The problem is, uh, the problem is, if we're going to talk about a table, you need to be able to play the same one that I am, and it doesn't sound like you have a lot of option there. Well, I'd be milling, willing, milling. I'd be willing to make a trip if we picked a couple of units ahead of time. I could find a place to have them. I, I do road trips for more ridiculous reasons than that. I could make a road trip, take a camera, prove my scores. <laughs> we can work it out. We'll figure Excellent. out something. All right. Well, then you'll ju- you'll just buy me some pinball tables. You're right. I will. That seems like the easiest solution. <laughs> I, I suggest you go out uh, to your driveway right now and wait for them to show up. Woo-hoo! I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> they're bye, they're on the way. They're on the way. Excellent. <laughs> I'm very yeah, pleased. So, so okay. So we can make that happen. Then that's good. sure. Of course, yeah, we can make awesome. anything happen. Awesome. Awesome. I'm gonna make it snow. Uh, and speaking of pinball news, uh, theverge.com is a sort of tech news website. Uh, they have a story up. It's a look inside the Stern Pinball, the, the Stern Pinball Factory. Oh, nice. It is, it is the last operational pinball factory in the world, apparently. Um, and they, they kind of go behind the scenes and show you how they, they make the, the games. It's, it's a very interesting article and worth reading. And it goes hand in hand with another article that's currently up there in the Verge right now called The Life and Death of the American Arcade for Amusement Only. So they're not just closing here in Toronto. They're closing everywhere. It looks that way, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, have so. you seen the, uh, speaking of pinball, have you seen the Tilt documentary? I, no, I haven't. It's not available to stream on Netflix. And it's available it's not- in Canada, so there. Oh, you jerk. So I have, I have queued it up to watch. So I will be watching Tilt, the battle to save pinball, probably later this evening. I can't even get the disc on Netflix here. It says, uh, you just have the option to save it and the availability date is unknown. Too bad for you, sucker. <sighs> Speaking of trash the sympathy talk. from your co-host. <laughs> In fact, I think our new theme song should just be "Too bad for you, sucker." That's right. I know there's a reason I keep doing this show. I'm just not sure what it is. 
I did want to make a quick correction to Hit last me. week's uh, Omega Race. What? Are you saying we said something wrong? Can't be. Well, Can't not be. you. Of course not. This is just me. Oh, excellent. Then you know yeah. what? I totally believe it happened. Of course. <laughs> uh, last week I had said that Omega Race 2009, uh, which is a, a port of the original game available for Windows, uh, was made by a company called Softonic. That's not actually true. Softonic <laughs> is just the shareware download website oh um, i see okay. where it's hosted who, who actually made it? it it looks like it's a single guy i don't know what his name is uh, it's just one one guy that's doing this uh it's at tardis.dk oh cool and, and it's it looks like he makes a bunch of different games there but uh, i apologize to him for implying that he did not create that game well then yeah and we definitely especially if it's a single dude making them then that's that's totally awesome of him so um uh, definitely want to give him a shout out then. So Tardis, T-A-R-D-I-S dot D-K. Oh yeah, I see. He's got a WordPress site and he talks all about his remakes of, of a com- bunch of completed games and works in progress. And my goodness, this fellow has made a lot of games for Mac as well. And he made a ZX Spectrum game. Nice. I like yeah. this guy. I, I've never heard of him. I already like him. <laughs> so yeah, but this is one of the games that I played, uh, in preparation for that show. And it's a fairly faithful remake. It's free and you should check it out. Yeah, I mean, kudos to anybody who makes a remake that isn't one of those sucky, let's make the game awful, but the the graphics look slightly better versions. Right, exactly. Yeah, so nice. This is not a case of that. Nice. Onward and upward, Carrington. (laughs) You Uh, say upward as if we both don't (laughs) suck at this game, Mike. Yes, 1942. uh, I remember being better at this game. I couldn't possibly have been worse before, so I must have been better. Well, it was either that, that I was better or it was a different... 1940 whatever title in the long series of these games that I was actually good at because this one not so much and I thought I was going to kick butt because I played it a bit last week I should tell our listeners I I sneakily was more prepared for this than normal because just by a coincidence when we were discussing last week what game we should play this week, Mike threw out 1942. And I said, oh, that's perfect, because this week I've been playing a bunch of 1942. So I felt all, you know, prepared and great, and I'd really focus and I'd do well. I actually did worse this week than last week. I I, I, I don't know. I'm getting worse by the week. So clearly, since high school, it's just been downhill ever since. I'm too old for this game, Mike. I am too old for this game. <laughs> too old for this podcast. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this podcast. It's sad. I don't know why I struggled so much with this game. Yeah, I was well. I it took me uh, it took me a few times through it to realize why it was why the games were ending so quickly. One quarter gets you two planes, not three. Yes. So and and for whatever reason, my average time, uh, my average game. Okay, so when you die, there's that screen where it shows you. It types out like a little typewriter how many planes you shot down, your percentage, and this and that. It's just basically rubbing it in. Right. Well, and. My games tended to last less time than it took for that screen to finish printing out after. <laughs> it should have just started printing early. <laughs> oh, it's you again. Let's just start the text. And it was annoying because you can't skip that. You have to sit there and watch it every time. And I'm <laughs> dumping more quarters into it. Come on, come on. I got to play again. I did notice as well that you get very few guys in this. And I, I wondered if maybe my main setting was simply, you know, with dip switches on hard or something. And I didn't have a chance to go and check the setup. But I was surprised that at um, how few ships you have, how long it takes to, to get a free man, that kind of stuff. So I don't know, maybe we were both just playing on a hard setting or something. But this game kicked my butt royally. Yeah, this was a tough one. Mm. Uh, 1942 is a vertical, vertically scrolling shoot-em-up made by Capcom. It was released to the arcade in 1984. 
Uh, it was the first in a long Wait, series. Wait, this came in 1984? Yes, this was actually I, later on. I was sure, well actually I was sure this was in 1980. I, I don't think I played this till 85, cause I remembered playing this. And in fact it didn't release until December of 1984. Oh, okay, so, then that's so probably very, why I didn't see it in 84. Okay. Very late in the game. Right. Um, it was the first in a long series of 19XX games released by Capcom. This is actually, uh, one of Capcom's first hits that sort of turned them into uh, arcade stars, if you want to call them that. And it was the, the first of their games to receive a sequel. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. I knew it was one of the early Capcom games uh, and that it had a series, but I didn't know it was the first one to get a sequel. That's cool. I think there were a bunch of them. Like I could, there was, in addition, I know it, there was definitely at least the 1941 and the 1943. I think this one came first, but there were, I think there was a handful of these. Yes, there were. Uh, there was 1942 followed by 1943, the Battle of Midway. Then 1941, Counterattack, uh, 19 Double X, The War Against Destiny. Man, I love Japanese titles. <laughs> and 1944, The Loopmaster, uh, was the final arcade cabinet release there. Uh, the game's been ported to pretty much every console out there. And there, uh, there was even, uh, in 2010, a release, uh, of a, of a 1942 game on iOS. Well, it definitely is one of the iconic games. It's kind of funny that as a Japanese game, the the theme of this is you are a, a single American fighter pilot who, who has to destroy the entire Japanese air fleet. Yeah, that's that's I, I was going to mention that that's sort of a a weird thing about Japanese games that that sort of thing would never fly over here in the United States. Yeah, to go you, the other way around. Right, well, right. you would and never you would never hop into to a, a French destroyer and, and go shoot down Washington. What state. about a Canadian one? Well, that maybe. I mean, you guys did burn down, burn down the White House. So. <laughs> and maybe it's a Canadian fighter pilot just spreading, you know, compliments and, and invitations to parties. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of quarters. Handing out, handing out free hockey tickets. <laughs> awesome. I play that game. Yeah. Uh, 1942 had a Xilog Z80 CPU at four megahertz. Uh, the sound chip was also a Xilog Z80 at three megahertz. It had two. AY8910 sound processors, each at 1.5 megahertz. It was the standard 224 by 256 raster, ver, uh, raster monitor, uh, and vertical alignment. So at least we finally have a game that doesn't have a pokey chip in it. A what? A pokey chip. We keep oh, that's playing right. these uh, games with pokies. In well, it. I think, I think the pokey chip was an Atari. Oh, I guess that's chip. Atari only. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. 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 Um, so other than that, I mean, I didn't really last long enough to get much of a taste of this game. <laughs> I, I, well, and there's a couple of titles later on in the series where your, your plane can take a few hits, you, you know, before it blows oh, up. Oh, my plane uh, could take no hits. Other than when I got those two little planes that go to the side, but we'll talk later with the bonuses and those guys can take individual hits and they don't take you out. Right, but for the most part, I mean, you die very quickly in this game. There is a a button that uh, launches a defensive maneuver. It's a loop, That's and yet loop you have an R for it. Yeah, I'm not sure what I that don't was understand why. Yeah, in the bottom right corner, you get these three little R's. Each one stands for your loop the loop special move. Um, but I don't know why it's an R, and you get three of them for each sort of wave, and so um, they get replenished later. And I, I didn't find that that was all that useful because while you're in the loop you can't move or do anything. Right, it was really it's really an emergency bailout thing like if something's coming from behind or something. And I f- I found that that I would simply come out of the loop right into enemy fire. Oh, so <laughs> I found it's more that I would only think to loop after I was hit by something because I wouldn't keep my button my finger on that loop button so I'd be just a little slow reaching for it because I'm just nailing away on the fire button all the time and yeah. Uh. 
So yeah, this is this is a game. Like I said, my mine didn't last very long, and and it's probably why I didn't play this a lot back in the arcades. Um, now, did the, you use the um the? It's not a game where you can continue. Did you? Use, but your score resets to zero, but you get to at least keep going. Did you use the? Uh, I figured that that keeping going meant that it would be even harder. <laughs> so, and if I could, no, that second <laughs> level is the easiest. <laughs> oh, was it? <laughs> it starts off. It's weird. I was gonna say it starts off the highest level. In a sense, it does. It starts off and it calls it. Like last thirty-two level, and then you go to thirty-one, and, and so I guess it's counting down to the the big boss. I thought I thought that was kind of strange. Instead of starting at level one, you're starting at level thirty-two, and then it, it's counting downwards. And the um, I read through the Capcom instruction manual. Yes, I was that desperate wow. <laughs> to try to find game tips, <laughs> and um, Capcom refers to their continue thing as a buy-in feature. And as far as I can tell from the manual I was reading, and, and I couldn't I couldn't find a, a definitive answer online. So one of our listeners will have to write in and tell me if this is the case or not. But it seemed to be that this wasn't issued as a standalone, like dedicated arcade machine. I couldn't find any manuals that had anything other than here's your kit to convert other games. Yeah, you know, it's funny you should mention that because the arcade flyer for this game, typically that's something that an arcade owner would put up in in the arcade to advertise, mm-hmm. you know, games that they want you to drop quarters into or what, what he's got coming next week. The only flyer that I could find for this one, uh, was an advertisement for the conversion kit from yeah. Star. So, so maybe it is the case that this only came as a conversion. I, I could not find any, like there's this, I got this, uh, Romstar instruction manual all about how here's your new game package and they put new game in, in bold, but it, it was just a new game to put inside an old cabinet and it had all these instructions on, on what to, it's actually, People should seek out this kind of thing because if you're interested in these games, reading the manuals is actually really fun because it's sort of vintage. This talks about what you'll need, including like a staple gun, a good night's sleep, a vacuum cleaner, like all these things it says you'll have. And then it says how to set it. Like after going through the dip switch settings, it says, okay, here's what to do. And you have to go through, okay, let's get our, it says, let's get our hands dirty, like how to remove the old game, what bits you'll, you'll need. How to, how to install the logic, uh, the, like the PCB cage, how to do the wiring harness, and then how to do a smoke test, and which is basically you're going to turn it on and look for smoke. And it says, like, all like, it's crazy. Like, that's exactly what you're doing. It's like, it says, uh, you are just about ready to power up the logic board, but first you need to recheck your work, blah, blah, blah. And then just, it says, you know, look and smell, pray you, you see no smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it literally just says that, and then just okay. Now that it didn't, it didn't blow up on your fire. Let's go around the front and look at the picture and stuff. It's just, it's such a bizarre and colloquially written manual. I really liked it. Like it's fun, but it's, it's sort of saying, okay, here's what you're gonna do, and and here's how to set it up to you know make money. It's it's a manual designed for an operator who's you know running a running a, a money making operation with it. So um, how to set up the switches and see how long people are playing and that kind of stuff. But it was really interesting, and and but I could find. Nothing about original cabinets on this, so it may be that it only came as a conversion kit, at least initially. The the flyer has an interesting wording at the bottom. It says, "Attention, 1942 is the property of Capcom Limited and licensed exclusively to Romstar Incorporated. Possession of any unlicensed, unauthorized 1942 PC board is a violation of federal law and will be prosecuted accordingly." We're coming after you. That's right. So they were pretty serious about protecting their copyright on this one. Uh, I don't know that I have a whole lot to say about this game. This is uh, the other, I, I played most of the games in this series of, of, I've played most of the titles in this series of games, and this was the least interesting to me. It just seems sort of slow. It, I, I found it, I mean, it, it's an odd combination of being a little slow, 
but clearly not slow enough for me to get very far in the right. game. <laughs> so it was just still, fast enough to to beat me. It was um, still good enough to really to really kick my butt. Yeah, it reminded me. Um, if we're talking about the gameplay a bit, then it reminded me a little bit of Xevious that we played before because it's sort of a a top down flying shooting game. But here you don't have any bombs; you're just shooting forward. But there's a bit bit more variety of the things you're coming against because there's um. You know the 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 larger planes that have tail guns and and they're the the waves of of um, airplanes in various colors. Like if you see a red formation and you shoot them all, then you get a bonus, a little a little power up. A POW appears, huh, POW. And um, <laughs> depending on the color of that, you might get you know quad fire. I think they call it. If you get four bullets at once, or one of them destroys all the enemies on the screen. And one that was one of the most interesting ones gave me two little tiny wingman planes. So two other planes came spinning on and they attached to right to right and left of my plane, sort of like in a little mini formation. So I had my guns and they were firing at the same time. So it's sort of like in Galaga where you, you get another man attached to you and, and then you're moving together. And then um, when my little wingman got shot, it didn't kill me. But if you get shot with your little wingman, then just too bad. It, you know, they don't stay around. So, right, yeah. yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Um, I liked that bit. I liked the idea of the loop-de-loop, but I found it just, I never, I think it must be, more useful for like the bosses. When the big boss planes come from behind you, you can sort of loop over top of them and get behind them. So it, I guess would be useful. Then they always would kill me. So I, I, I couldn't actually use that little, uh, that little feature. Did you get to the, um, percent and point up stage? Oh no, no. So there's this bit I got to right near the, like I basically died on level 29, which is sort of the third or fourth level in, you know, not very far. And in that level, I got to the stage because you're going through various stages and waves of, of, of bosses. And then when you get to the end of a, a full wave, like one of these numbered stages, you land on an aircraft carrier and then you take off again and you start the next, the next level. You know, uh, each of them again counting down presumably to a big boss on level one, but dear Lord, I never got there. So in, I got to this one stage where it just said, um, percent and point up stage and nothing was firing at me anymore. So it was all the same enemies, but none of them had their guns on. <laughs> so it became like just much easier game for a short period. It just appeared. <laughs> and I don't know whether I picked up something that enabled that suddenly where it was like a power up or if that's a standard thing, but I was really pleased with that level. So I got through that one, but then the big boss came and it, it shoots anyway. Um, so, you know, there's, I, I did find the gameplay was a little bit repetitive, but again, it could be just because I didn't get far enough, that I didn't get any of the really big bosses or what have you. I did find as well the gameplay was a little bit slow, but I remember back in the 80s not thinking that. So it must be something that's just changed because of the games and experiences I've had since that time. Because back in the day, this didn't seem like a slow game at all. This seemed like an exciting, fun, you know, shoot 'em up game. You're just getting old, Carrie. I'm getting very old. By the week, I said it did better last week. So, oh my, but though, now the, the only thing I think we haven't mentioned really is, um, the designer of this, uh, Yoshiki Okamoto. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's how it's pronounced. I probably just mutilated his name. He designed a bunch of other games that that later on that were quite famous. Like, uh, for Konami, he did Time Pilot and he did Gyrus. So two good games there. And Time Pilots, you could sort of see graphically the, like Time Pilot and this have the same sorts of thing a little bit in common. Um, and then he, for Capcom, he also went on to do the Final Fight and the Street Fighter series. So very popular, um, you know, fight, yeah, really popular. So this this is a designer who who certainly went on to a lot of acclaim. But I do agree that this particular game seemed a bit slow. Well, and there were you'd mentioned that that maybe there were other varied enemies further on in the game, but there were not. There there were in fact only three enemy type 
uh, Japanese planes, and they were all modeled on real Japanese aircraft. Oh, cool. Um, the, the Kawasaki KI-61, the Mitsubishi A6M0, and the Kawasaki KI-48. The boss plane uh, was the Nakajima G8N, and that's it. Those were your only enemies. Okay, yeah, because I did find there was, you know, lots of the little small planes, the standard ones, and then sometimes they would be all in one color in a formation, and you get something extra for shooting the, the whole formation. And then there'd be the, the medium-sized plane, and then the occasionally the, the big plane. But I, I kept thinking there must be, like, a really big plane or something at some time. So. We may not have liked it, but it was popular enough that they did release five titles in mm-hmm. the 19 XX line uh, from 1987 to 2000. And it was popular enough with with uh, players that Capcom's other vertical shooters were pretty much the same as far as gameplay. And the thing is, as much as I would say that compared to some of the games we've played so far, this one was a little less interesting, um, really just didn't do it for me. I have played a lot worse video games. Oh, sure. I I mean, (laughs) God, I've even played Elevator Action. Come on. Oh, that's a stinker. (laughs) I loved Elevator Action. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, there's that DJ Kid gamer. Like, I I pump quarters into some games that are just unplayably awful. So this isn't at that level at all. It's just, it wasn't quite for me. Yeah, this is, I don't know that, I mean, I did enjoy it enough to keep pumping virtual quarters into it. It might have been a different story if I'd been dropping real quarters in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, real quarters, that's some serious money. <laughs> <laughs> well, in some cases, um, I could spend hours in an arcade, and if it was a game that I really liked and sucked at, I could, you know, 20, 20 or $40 sure. pretty easily. And if I like a game, I'll keep putting quarters in it, even if right. it's relatively short. But this one, I think I, like, I don't know. For some reason, it's, it just lost me now, although I do think I used to like it. I remember playing this game. It was one of the go-to, oh, sure, yeah, what the heck? There's nothing else here. I like, I'll play that one. You know, you can, you know what's going on right away, but just, man, I suck at this now. So speaking of which, let's, let's, let's talk scores, Mike. Let's see. We've both told everybody that we suck. Let's now, let's stand up and say, yo, <laughs> my name is Mike. I suck at this game. <laughs> I am a, a crappy arcade game player. Uh, my, as I said, my average game tended to last less than a minute and I couldn't even top the stand, the, the default game score of 20,000. I came in at 16,070 points. Well, I just, oh, interesting. My score also ends in a 70. So, so that's cool, but I got to open up my little screenshot here. Um, I sucked at the game, but I did considerably better than you. <laughs> okay. So, sorry, I have to open up my phone. I should have had this ready. Go to, so my screenshot was 121,070. So 121,070. So you did quite a bit better. Um, and yet that only gets you through the first couple of levels. Like I said, like I died on, on, it says, um, it shows like the, the, the level on the little, high score and it, it has a four beside it so i got to level four that's it like so i didn't really get far in, in this game since you start at 32 and count down so there's 32 different levels and i and i didn't even finish four of them and it gets harder as you and presumably it gets harder so yes yeah. uh were, were you able to enter anything into the high score field i couldn't figure sure. out how to do that oh yeah we i just went and i used the it, it this is one of those ones where it brings up a little um on-screen keyboard rather than then typing characters, and I just use my joystick to pick the letter and hit the fire button, and it entered it. And then I, then you, there's a little ED at the end. Okay, so I, I must have, well, maybe it doesn't actually award you the high score if you don't beat the 20,000 or something. Oh, sure. It, I went, previously I got scores, it would just show a number. It would just say, well, hey, it would you got say number you, eight. Well, or yeah, you'd be number whatever, but you wouldn't, there was no, uh, opportunity to enter that. So. Yeah, I, you, I, I got on the high score table, it looks like a couple of times, and one time with a score of 56,750, and that would give me third place. I see. Um, so I think you have to be in the top five. The, the scores themselves are interesting. Like the, the pre-done names 
are are bizarre. I, I we we talked about the game in an, another episode where oh it said Namco in the uh, in the initials in one yeah, of the that, games. That was like a uh, Easter egg or something. Yeah, something like that. So in in this level, the the top for for my version was forty thousand was the top score, and that's just copyright Capcom is its name. And then the second name is All, and the third name is Right, and the fourth name is Reserved, and then weirdly the fifth name is Exodexus. E-X-E-D-E-X-E-X. Or E-S. Exodexus. Mm. Which I guess is another game, because number six was Volgus, which I know is an early Capcom game, and number seven was Sun Sun. S-O-N-S-O-N. And that's another Capcom game. Oh, and look, um, Heige Maru, or however it's pronounced, that's a pirate ship game. That was number eight. So it seems to be they're using the names of previous games, but I don't know Exodexus. I'm not familiar with that one either. Yeah, and that appears as number nine as well, so they used it twice. They were really happy about that name. So, anyway, yeah, you only get to enter your initials if you're top five. Otherwise, it's like, screw you, thanks for the quarter. Now, a Canadian holds the record for this game. So, go us. And he got it on as recently as 2006. It was November 19th, 2006. Martin Bedard of uh, Saint-Lazare, I guess it's pronounced, Quebec. Um, he holds the record for this game with, how do I parse this? 1,330,000, nope, 13,300,000. 160,960 points. That's a lot more than I got. Yes, he's in no danger from either of us. <laughs> but he's Canadian, so technically a little bit of that is mine. Well, but he's French-Canadian, so does that really count? Uh, a little bit less of that is mine. <laughs> I never know how you guys feel about those. Th- about th- We love them. <laughs> They're not so keen on us. <laughs> that's, right. that's pretty much how it goes. So, yes, I think that's all I got to say about this game. I, it's not a terrible game. But just wasn't my sort of thing. So, and I do like shoot 'em up games. Just this one, I like beat 'em up games too. But this just didn't quite do it for me. I'm I'm looking forward in in later episodes. Let's take a break from the 1940X series and come back to some of the other ones in this series because I do remember liking other ones even more than this one. So I'm sure some of them will will still hold up. All right. Well, in that case, what are we playing next week, Carrington? Well, I think I'm going to let you introduce the sound. And here it is. So that is what's coming up next week. There is not a chance at all that anybody could possibly guess that name. If they do, they're my new co-host. I'm all for that, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to come down here and wrestle the, the microphone away from me. <laughs> Excellent. I think I think that's a, that sounds like an awesome contest. <laughs> wrestle Mike's controller away from him. Win, Mike's Win a job. Pac-Man blackhead. <laughs> Nice. Anyway, so that's that's what's coming up next week. We'll see if people can guess from that audio clip. And um, I guess that's it. I'll, I'll talk to all you guys uh, next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for playing along. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, all the original material in this show is released to the public domain. 